This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn here on Mitch Marathon Month, which is basically July of 2019. And I've got for you Donnie V, formerly of Enough's Enough. He's got a new album out called Beautiful Things. Now, some of you who listen to me regularly will know that I did an interview with Donnie V for his new album, Beautiful Things, back in the late fall of last year. And you're thinking, well, is this a repeat episode? Well, no, it's not. In fact, what happened is at the time, the album was on Pledge Music and uh, the pledges were going to be fulfilled and he was going to send the album out and, and life was going to be beautiful. And then Pledge Music imploded. Complete disaster for artists, for fans, and for the music industry in general, I would I would argue. Now, Donnie uh, is now on uh, Deco Music, and the album is out now. And uh, you, you'll get to hear it, so you can go out there and on Spotify and on Apple Music, and you can go to Amazon, you can buy it. So uh, all's well that ends well. Now, of course, if you listen to that interview with me, with Donnie from uh, back about six months ago, no, more than that, well, okay, yeah, it was yeah, six six or eight months ago. He was sick as a dog. He literally sounded like death on on the phone, and of course, it turned out that he was gravely ill and almost passed away, or certainly to the point where it got very, very close. And I, I have to give it to him. Uh, I have to give him some credit for for doing the interview back then. He he had a schedule, he had interviews booked, and he was sick as a dog, and he got on the phone and he did the interview, and, and he gave me whatever it was, half an hour of his time, and, and so kudos to him for that. But um, furthermore, what I want to get into is Pledge Music. The fact that that platform disappeared is horrible for for fans and and for music because the concept of being able to crowdfund, crowdsource, and, and have people contribute to your uh, vision is is terrific. And and some of you will say, well, hey, listen, uh, why don't the bands just do it directly? You go to the website and you buy it directly from them, and we cut out the middleman. And and yes, that is great. But but here's some of the problems and here's some of the good things. It's great because if you can do it, you don't have the middleman. The money comes in, the money's yours, you print it up, and everything is the way it should be. But that works if your name is Metallica or Def Leppard or Bon Jovi because you've got a built-in fan base that is absolutely wanting to go there and check out your stuff and check out the news and check out tour dates and check out merchandise. And so they see, oh, new album. And they will buy it. When you're Don E. V., when you're Enough's Enough, when you're Pretty Boy Floyd, when you're some of these bands that have been around but not as prominent as Metallica, people might not know to go check out the Don E. V. website to see if uh, you have new music coming. So, so Pledge Music and, and sites like that, which right now I don't think there are any sites like that, gave fans an opportunity to go and say, hey, look, uh, we can do a pledge. 
with, uh, you know, super band, you know, let's just say Metallica. No, Metallica never huge pledge, but I'm just using it as an example. Well, go check out, you know, the Metallica pledge music. And again, uh, as an example, uh, we'll go check out the Def Leppard uh, pledge music campaign. And of course, pledge music go, go, throws out all that stuff into the algorithms and goes, ah, well, you like the Metallica one. You like the Def Leppard one. Here's some other bands you might like. Donnie V, Enough's Enough. And you go, hey, I, I didn't know they had a new album. I'm a fan. I like the Enough's Enough. I'm going to buy it. Or you get to the, the, the Pledge Music landing page and you go, wow, I'm here to go buy the new Metallica. And, oh, hey, look at this. I, oh, I didn't know this band. Had, you know, I didn't know Night Ranger was doing one. I didn't know Donnie V was doing one. I didn't know, you know, Warrant was doing one. And so that's, that's where Pledge Music had an advantage over a band's direct website because you had an ability to go find that band that you wanted, but then you got suggestions. Then you got uh, to see uh, splash pages and go, oh, hey, I didn't know these guys were had music available. And so we've lost that now. Uh, and it's terrible. You know, in, in 2013, I used pledge music to do a kiss tribute album called a world with heroes and i don't have a website i never would have been able to get that project off the ground had it not been for pledge music and at the time in 2013 2013 everything worked the way it was supposed to work probably the pledge music we did the campaign it went at 247 percent or whatever it was and I was able to raise $35,000 for the local palliative care home where my wife's father uh, passed away from cancer. And that would not have been possible without a platform like Pledge Music. So we absolutely need uh, somebody or something or an organization or Apple Music or Spotify to invest and get a system like Pledge Music up and running. Now, uh, obviously, we can't use the name Pledge Music because that—that that is, boy, did did they ever screw that up? And and I really don't understand how they screwed it up because there, there was a great potential and it was a great business model and it worked like a charm in 2013. And 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 I can't speak to what happened. I don't know what happened. You know, were, 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 were they embezzling? Were they misusing funds? Were they taking funds and investing stuff? Were they, group, you know, investing in infrastructure with money they didn't have? Did did pledges not sell the way they were expected? I mean, I, I don't know what went wrong, but uh, it went very wrong. And uh, Damon Johnson, you know, formerly of Black Star Riders, Alice Cooper, got screwed. Queensryche got screwed. Donnie V got screwed. And ultimately, the fans got screwed. Now, when Alan Niven was co-hosting with me, we had that discussion about how the bands should go out and do something, do a benefit concert and say, hey, this is what happened. And we're doing this benefit concert because we want to do right by the fans and let's help each other. Some of the bands have done that. Some haven't. And listen, I, 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 I'm not one to be controversial. I try to stay away from politics and I try to stay away from, you know, topics and I, and I don't badmouth people. But honestly, any band or any artist that was part of Pledge Music that left the fans holding the bag or, you know, left the fans 
in a lurch. You know, really, I'm sorry. I mean, I know your 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 pledge got and you got screwed as well. But you got to do right by the fans. You have to do right by the fans. Uh, and listen, Donnie V is doing right by the fans. Um, Damon Johnson's doing right by the fans, and so on and so forth. But there are a few out there that I know of that haven't. And and I've seen it. I've seen fans write to me, and I've seen fans write on my Facebook, and I've seen it on other sites where they'll say, "Hey, man, I bought the so and so, and they never sent me anything." That that ain't right. That is not right. So let's hope that the music industry and bands and fans can all get past this, the, the, the pledge music disaster. Let's hope that we can have a system where we can go back to that because, you know, if, if your name is not Metallica, if your name is not Def Leppard, if your name is not Aerosmith, you need some place where fans can go shop around uh, because they're not necessarily going to go to your website directly. That sounds nice. I'll just sell it directly. Yeah, well, you'll sell it directly to who? Who's going to know you're there? Who's going to So, so you need you need sort of a centralized, you know, shopping uh thing and 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 who knows, you know, c- come on Amazon, step up and and help out or 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 Apple Music or or you know, you've got the infrastructure. You've got the money. You've got uh fans Clicking on your sites every day, you know, give give them give them an option. Uh, anyway, uh, so let me get to um, let me get to Don Ev. Uh, great interview, uh, you know, the first one. He, uh, well, it was a great interview too. But listen, he sounded like death. But this one is, an, I really like it. I, I think it's a great interview. I think Donnie was was incredibly nice, incredibly pleasing. So uh, without further ado, here is the one, the only. Donnie V, and uh, do check out Beautiful Things, his new album, and uh, here we go. Here's Donnie. We are speaking with the singer Donnie V. The new album is Beautiful Things. Donnie, always a pleasure to talk to you. How are you today? I'm very good for my age today, I would have to say, you know. very Doing very well. Good. Doing good. Good, uh, and, and, and I'm just curious, uh, in terms of age, uh, let's see here, uh, how old are you? You're, oh, 64, you're my brother's age, there you go. No, 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 the 74, I'm in Eastern time, not Central anymore. Yeah, <laughs> they right. had 10 years, yeah, 74. And my, I think my insides might be that, <laughs> 55. There you go, nice. Uh, so yeah. so let's, uh, let's talk about beautiful things. Now, the, the album was slated to come out in 2018. It got delayed. Let's talk a little bit about, about this delay. It, it has a lot to do with pledge music, so... I know that you're concerned about the fans and, and what happened with Pledge. So walk me through a little bit of, of, of the Pledge experience. What happened and, and, and how are the fans sort of going to benefit from the little extra time that it took to get this out? Well, <clears throat> that was my main aggravation with the whole thing was, was the fans, especially the Pledgers who, I mean, these are these were diehard loving fans throughout the years that, that went and did that and pledged their money and stuff. And we set a goal. And we exceeded the goal by almost double, you know. And so, and then, you, so what happens is we started tracking and recording and stuff, you know, with uh, with all of that in mind, with knowing that money's coming and stuff. And then, then when pledge went under, they completely fucked us, and we were uh, left, you know, with holding the bag. And they, but they also screwed many, many artists, you know. And 
and even uh, the bigger artists that I've talked to, you know, like even a couple guys on my record, uh, happen, you know, happened to all of them. And um, I think that we're the only ones, from what I understand, who who just decided to uh, take the hit. And also, you know, I, I just, that's why I signed up with this label now that I'm with and just to get to be able to uh, have the opportunity to get the you know, pay and, you know, buy them ourselves, but, and fulfill the, the obligation, you know? And so that was important to me. I didn't want to see anybody get fucked. They did so much. And I think next time I can go back to the same pledgers without pledge music and go direct and, you know, probably have an easier time with that, but it really, it really upset me. And, you know, it's been, it's, that was a delay. There was other, other small delays. And once you sign with the label, then you gotta, they've got to do their thing and they start, you know, mock it up and stuff like that so better late than never but uh the one the ones who the pledges are actually probably getting theirs last which really pisses me off too and it sucks so i uh if anybody hears this I, i'll make it up to them in some other way somewhere down the line you know if getting into a show free I'll talk to you this whatever you know it's just whatever i can do to uh to you know handle that and it's you know that it's not our fault but excuses aren't worth white dog shit you know what i mean it's it's the the results that count and so you know that's where we stand with that yeah and and and, <sighs> and luckily the show does well so people will hear this which is which is important uh, uh in terms of in terms of direct to fans marketing like pledge music do, do you think that that sort of idea or concept is over and done with because of the sort of bitter taste it, it has left in people's mouths or do you see a new model emerging where you just go straight through your website? We don't have a third party and you just deal with it. You and fans, period, end of story. Well, that's where my head's at right now. I think the pledge thing was always a great concept. And, and up until, you know, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. You know, as soon as I sign with something, it goes dead. You know, it's like they say the grass is greener till I get there. <laughs> you know, So, of course, that happened. But I think it's a great concept. And I think it's now it's wide open for somebody who can can put and make investment in, to start another one because that's really all all people can really do anymore. You know, label ain't going to do shit for you, and this way you can get directly to the fans. And if they're going to buy your record, then they're going they buy it in advance, so you can make your record. You know, it's a good it's a great idea. Oh, it's a, it's a stunning concept. But let, let's talk about the music on beautiful things. Is this uh, sort of new music that you wrote in the last year or two? Or are these ideas that have been floating around from the enough's enough days and, and you sort of said, okay, but now it's time to polish them. Where did the, the, the songs come from? They, every single song I've written, you know, I was a bulk songwriter in, in enough's enough and everything. They, they come when the ideas come, when they come from God or the higher energy or wherever they come from and they pop into my head, you know, just a, uh, you know, a start of it, something that will hook me to it. And I know if it hooked me, then it's going to hook somebody else. And it's my job to, uh, what I do is I follow the song. I, I, I listen to let it tell me where it wants to go, you know? And so that's how I write them. But I took a, after enough's enough and everything, I took a, about a three and a half to four year break for uh, self-improvement, you know, getting clean, getting off the, this and that, getting healthier, getting rid of hepatitis C, you know, get my legal shit all together. Cause I was pretty much a mess and uh, hadn't written anything. And all that time, it's and there's always songs were always coming to me, obviously through all of the years, you know. But I've always had a, a policy of 
if this next song has to be better or as good as the last song, you know, and, and I've always tried to do that. And if, and if it wasn't, I wouldn't release it. And um, so I hadn't written anything. No ideas came. I guess God just knew what, what had to be done at the time. And then, then I got to a point where I, well, it's okay. Let's, are we going to do this anymore? Is this, is this still happen for me? Does that still work? Or was it the drugs or was it this? And then I think it was a couple of days later that I could save the world uh, idea popped into my head and I, I followed it and I demoed it. And I was like, well, this is good. And then uh, the next, the next day or the next two days came uh, the third song, which is called breaking me down. And that came and I followed and I turned that one into a demo. And I said, this is, all right, we got a coincidence going on here. And then why uh, the third one, that was valid on there. And, you know, uh, that was, that's when I knew, okay, we're back in business. It's thank you. Thank you. Song God. <laughs> and so that's, what's up with that. Now, since the album was delayed for, for a year, year and a half, is there sort of a new collection of songs ready to go shortly? You know, is the next sort of new album already ready or has this sort of delayed the process for, you know, the next new one? I feel like you have a spy in the house because I, I'm glad you asked that because uh, with that delay, um, you know, the only thing I can do to, to rid myself of frustration and to indulge in anymore without getting all medicated is to uh, create, you know, I just sit there in one little space and write and uh, 27 new ones already and each better than the last. And still, I want to, I want to call. I want to find out the Guinness Book of World Records of, of the you know best writer who's written the most better songs than the last in the in the world. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna shoot for that now. That's great. <laughs> I'm at about I'm at about over going over about 300 or, or more right now. Oh, that's great. So <clears throat> so when when do you see those ones coming out? Uh, hopefully not too soon. That would mean this is that means this died, and uh, this was this was like my best effort to this day. You know, and um, and I had no way of knowing those would come and nobody else. And so hopefully it'll be a while. That's why I, I demoed them. So I got them to listen to. And, and I imagine if I'm at this point, 27, I'm hopefully I can get a year out of this record, you know, with working it and performing it and, you know, doing whatever I can for it. And, uh, you know, by then, unless I'm very, unless I'm really, really busy, I probably God only knows what I'll have by then. But. Hopefully it'll it'll be a while. Yeah, you'll have you'll have fifty by then. Uh, let's quickly just uh, talk talk about the health for a second, because the last time I interviewed you, you were coughing up a lung, for the lack of a better word. You had bronchitis or or, or pneumonia or something very severe. How are you doing? And how has it been since you left the band? Since you left Enough's Enough? Um, I'll ask a direct question: Are are you clean and sober? Is you know? How, are you clean the last time you talked to me, let me know. It, it depends on, on when the when was the last time you talked to me. It was last year as you were setting up mm. the uh, Pledge Music campaign and the beautiful things. And now I think you just had a, a, a bronchitis or something. You, you weren't, you know, uh, you weren't dying for the lack of a better word. But, I, but actually, actually, I, I was. Actually, okay. I was. But that, what that turned out to be was uh, pancreas. My pancreas liquefied and I didn't know it. Wow. And so making okay. all through making that all through making that record, you know, uh, I started slipping a little bit and drinking a little bit to get because I felt so terrible. My stomach felt so terrible. And, and you know, that's I, I have big faith in medicine, but, you know, I don't fall back. on I, I am clean and sober. Now. I still smoke cigarettes. But after the 
after the pancreas thing, you know, I was in the hospital for a month. I almost starved to death. I lost 35 pounds and had the doctor came in and gave me that movie moment where get your affairs in order and stuff like that. And I, I'm like, you get the fuck out of here. I, I'm not going to die. I'm a tank, you know? And so I came back from it and, you know, they started me up on berries and this and that and all this and that. And I was like, this is no life. You know, there's no way to live. I, I can handle the, no drugs and alcohol, but I'm going to damn well eat what the hell I want. I'm smoking the cigarettes, you know, I'll take my chances. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm feeling really good nowadays. Good. And, and, and of course I, I met no disrespect by saying, uh, you, you sound like you're, but okay. So, so none taken, none taken. Good. So now that the health is better and, and you don't have any plans for new, new music after this one, because it's, you know, you want to r- run this one for a year. What are sort of the plans to get it on the road? Do you go out and do acoustic sets? Do you get yourself a band together? Um, what are sort of the, the touring plans that, that you might have to, to get the, 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 the music to the fans? Well, um, all of the above, you know, it's, it's all things that they got to, you know, be financially and sensibly sound. So, you know, uh, and, you know, because when I put the band together, the live band, go out and play it, uh, God willing that I do. Um, you know, I'm not using the usual suspects. I'm using the, the good cats to cost money. So there has to be decent shows, decent venues. Got to be able, I don't care if I make any money. I just want to pay have a good show. So got to be able to pay those guys. And until then, I have a back catalog from Enough's Enough and solo records and other things. That it's pretty uh, pretty wide range of stuff. So I'm, I've been doing an acoustic storytellers thing with all those songs. And, you know, just with acoustic guitar and grand piano. And uh, bashing out, you know, anything, anything and everything people want to hear and all the cooler stuff that, you know, enough's enough and things that, that we've never played live. And, and uh, you know, people get a chance to hear that. And, and if, as long as they sit quietly, I'll just sit there and sing and play all fucking night, you know, but it's, it's a cool thing. Yeah, it's great. So so let's go, let's quickly just look at enough's enough. Uh, first album comes out in 89. Uh, Fly High Michelle does very well. Talk to me about that initial success and and the challenges for the band, especially at that late part of the 80s where, you know, grunge was just around the corner, to sort of maintain uh, success and, and to be able to move the band forward. Talk to me a little bit about the beginnings of that from that first album. Well, you know, hindsight is insight, but yet no one ever has any way of knowing what's going down. And, and we were very young, and I especially was very, very young. And... uh inexperienced and didn't have no clue of anything about that. I mean, I didn't see most of those cock rock bands cause I'm from white trash blue Island. You know what I mean? And, um, so when that happened and the labels, labels are like a machine, like a factory, they churn out more of what, what the, the product that they're selling, you know? And so, you know, it's like, it was kind of on us and management and this and that to kind of, you know, but we were too young to know. And, and, you know, it's a lot of people dropped the ball and the label did, did their thing and it did very well you know because we caught the end you know they call us an 80s band but our first record came out in november of 89 so you know we were right there and uh really quickly got rid of that makeup and and stuff you know in those crazy clothes and stuff very quickly but had we come out in like leather pants and some t-shirts probably would have would have done much better but um you know i mean there was a couple number ones on mtv and there's a few to follow and you know it's just uh but to maintain success you know, we got a name then that people have heard, and but they only only things people ever know is Fly on Michelle or New Thing and stuff like that. And those were my baby songs. I just started writing then, and uh, 
developing the character and everything. As far as maintaining success, the only thing I think we maintained successfully was to continue to make great albums because, you know, nothing else was successful, obviously. You know, it really started tearing the band apart and eventually we are apart. And it, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different time. But, you know, I mean, I don't know what, what's going on with the, the music these days. And that's why that song, I Could Save the World, is just based, based on. And, you know, it's uh, hopefully, you know, it's bands like Greta Van Fleet and stuff like that that are giving rock and roll a little bit of hope again, you know? And, um, which, you know, because they took pop and they took country and they mixed that together and it turned that ruined two things. And then that, now they, you know, the hip hop and everything. So I get nominated for Grammys, you know, but, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a laugh because, you know, you look on the sheet of who you're nominated with and there's Beyonce and it's all like, you know, in the pop market, you know, or rock and roll, you know, and, uh, you're just up against the biggest names. So it's, you know, it's, you know, it's why nominate me, you know, I don't have a chance. Yeah, you, you might. Well, okay, so so talk to me about this, because I've always been curious about Enough's Enough, and I've asked Chip this before. Um, you know, Clive Davis is in your corner. Howard Stern is in your corner. The songs, your songwriting and and Chip and, and the band's playing musically, you've got it all stacked in your favor, and yet the band has to file for bankruptcy. You You never become an arena act. What was sort of the the major obstacle to you getting to that next level, to being a Bon Jovi, to being a Def Leppard? Was it bad management? Was it just uh, the band members who 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 screwed it up? What was sort of the stumbling block, the the, the thing that said, "Hey, we're not going to be Def Leppard"? Well, a, a couple, of, a number of things. First of all, um, the bankruptcy and things uh, that came we, when we we first signed our first record deal. We were and we ended up in a lawsuit with our original manager who had put a lot of money into the band, but was screwing us around and everything. So we had that going against us. And then with the label, you know, the things started happening. We had a huge deal, you know, it was like twelve million dollar deal, eight, eight records or something like that. And and so uh, when when uh, after Fly and Michelle was doing well, we're on tour and and we were doing uh, we were opening in arenas and stuff after a while, you know, and. Um, then um, we they, all of a sudden one day we're getting ready to make you know it, gearing up for the next single or next video and then we just found out you know, we're done it's done we're going home didn't know exactly what was going on then I thought I did something to fuck it all up or something but it wasn't that and then the next strength record and then when we seen that kind of go on a shelf because the the whole turnaround of like you said the grunge thing coming in and the labels labels all kind of fell apart and they split off and and joined up into different things and so. We had we filed the bankruptcy to get out of that debt and to get a release from Atlantic Echo, and uh, went on to Clive Davis. You know he he made a really good offer and he was really really supportive and into it. But what he was uh, his interests were basically the two power ballads because he's had he had a market for that. You know the machine was already in place for that. He didn't really care about the the band or the, or the rock stuff. So he, that's why he let us produce that stuff on our own and, and all the things that he cared about. We had to go out and get a producer in California, which we ended up not even using those versions. We ended up using my demo versions, you know, with new drums and mixed up. And so I was, which pissed me off. But, you know, uh, with that said, when you're trying to hit rock and roll markets and things like that with no, you know, you practically, there wasn't a label when it came to that side of things. They didn't have any FM or 
any uh, rock and roll or anything on their thing. And they didn't have, you know, have any ways to, uh, you know, push that. And so once again, you know, and I didn't pick up on the signals where Clive was like, you know, Hey, different people. be asked, you ever think about leaving the band? And so I was like, no, I'll leave the band. You know, it's been alone my whole life. Now I got a gang, you know, even though my gut feeling was always that I might not necessarily be with the right guys. This might not necessarily be the sound I had in mind for what I do. But it is what I'm doing now. It is what it is. And hang on for the ride. But then when you, you a couple of major labels, you have uh, no success with that. You're kind of uh, branded, you know, with uh, this. these guys can't do it. And then rumor becomes fact, you know, because, you know, there was a lot of issues and substance and stuff in the band. But, you know, we always delivered every single time, every single record, every single show we delivered. And, and I, you know, and as far as my shit goes, I always, I've never failed to deliver a hundred, I'm batting a thousand with songs, records, performances, everything, you know, it's just, yeah, I was a buffoon, but you know, who isn't a buffoon when they're a young kid and they're riding the, the, the love train where it's a party for you everywhere, you know? So yeah, it was, that's, that's basically what happened. And the music changed the style, our image, all that stuff all fucked us up. And, you know, I'm hoping right now it kind of had to, had to try to, uh, you know, just cut my losses with that, my whole career of enough's enough and everything to try to uh, step out of that and get out of the clown car and, you know, and start trying to be classier and, and more mature, like, like, like my health and psychological stuff is, is going on now and doing my own thing. And the song stuff coming, started coming. So I knew I, this is what I do, you know, and uh, trying to uh, break that stigma and with, wonderful people like yourselves maybe we get it out there and here and i think i think what i'm doing now is can is a little more universal and could uh could appeal to much broader span of people you know what i mean oh i do <laughs> and so uh and by the way you stepped out of the clown car or or in your case the the clown's lounge <laughs> the clown's lounge is what yep. you stepped out of yeah. right but okay, no, no further comment on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> but let's quickly talk about because uh, we are we are here to talk about the album. So let's talk about beautiful things. Uh, it features a couple of guests that I find very interesting: uh, Paul Gilbert, of course, of Mr. Big, and Michael Lapon of uh, Symphony X. Talk to me about how you got those guys on there, and what's sort of your relationship with with Paul? Because he's just an amazing uh, guitarist, isn't he? Yeah, he. Uh... <sighs> Yeah, that's our, our our very first national tour we went on was with Mr. Big. We were opening for Mr. Big for, I don't know, for months, you know, before we went on to like Badlands, things like that. So we established a relationship there. And then Paul, you know, has, has made it clear. And I started hearing and more fine hearing the things he's been saying and doing. And, and uh, he's always it turns out he's always been a huge fan of my songwriting, my singing to the point of where he's invited me out to his. I stayed at his house, you know, to just to hear me play them at the piano and things like that. We, we tracked a couple of tunes that we never did anything with, but you know, Paul was like, you know, he's always been there for me. And so I, when we were doing the record and beautiful things, the, that song, I just figured, you know, we need something, something a little more special there. And uh, so I asked Paul, I said, would you be interested in it? And he said, well, send, send me the demo. And I did. And uh, the next day he said, just one more, just yes. And we sent him the, you know, nowadays you can, you can uh, write and record together via email you know stuff like that you send send files or sessions and people load them up in their thing and so he did that and it came out amazing it's it's the first sound you hear is and the record is 
is Paul turning his guitar up, you know, and he starts blasting it. And uh, my my co-producer and engineer couldn't figure out what to do with that opening dig. I was like, he's like, we, we should probably scrap that. I'm like, you can't scrap that. So that's Paul Gilbert. That's what he does right there. That's why you get Paul Gilbert. So he'll never do a thing again if you take that out of there. And uh, so I found a way to use it. And I think it came out really well. That Now, Michael Pond is, uh, is a friend of a friend and, and now my friend of uh, a guy named Lodar. Lodar, uh, what's his name? Lodar. I forget his last name, but he's in a band called The Skull. Which he, but he's, him and his wife are dear, dear friends of me and my family. And uh, he does stuff with Mike. And so, you know, I was, he, he suggested him for, for a song or two, and, and Mike was happy to do it. And he did such a wonderful job, you know, played on I'll Surrender and uh, Beautiful Things. And also, you forgot to mention Roger, Roger Joseph Manning Jr. from The Jellyfish is on that record. He's on I Could Save the World doing all the strings and the keyboards and keyboard solo and stuff. He's the only one to charge money. <laughs> Well, well, there you go. Well, you, you should have, you should have paid him with pledge music, pledge, pledge music money. No, um. yeah, right, right. <laughs> Those other guys too. There's there's uh, uh, Johnny Polanski. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's really really great guitar player. Plays with everybody. And uh, Matt Walker, the drummer. He's been, he was in Garbage. He's playing with Morrissey currently and Beck. All this stuff. So you know, there's a. A nice roster of people there. Yeah. I, I do have the roster in front of me. So we got Paul Gilbert, Roger Joseph Manning uh, Jr., Matt Walker, Ed Breckenfield, Johnny Polonsky, uh, Casey McDonough, yeah. Phil Angotti. Can't any of them? Be, can't, can't any of them be just be called Smith? Uh, J. O'Rourke, Alton Smith, Mike LaPon, John Monaco, and of course you, Donnie V. So we got we, we've got it's a it's an incredible cast of characters. Quite frankly, in fact, l- let me ask you about that what is it like to sort of play with a cast of characters rather than sort of three other guys in terms of uh, the color they bring to the album, the textures they bring, the ideas they bring, the sound they bring? Uh, what was that like having not just, you know, a drummer, a bass player and a guitarist standing there, but having sort of this, this entire crew with you? Well, first of all, I'll say I'm very proud to be part of uh, this record with guys like that, you know, and, um, uh, the thing is, you know, it's with, with enough's enough, you know, aside from the bass and the drums, I, I did everything else once Frigo was gone. And, um, you know, the production style was, was always, you know, Chip, Chip was very adamant. It was just stay in the game, stay the, the route, you know, it was a day on chorus. And so it was always the heavy guitars and this and that, occasional strings. And so any, you know, any kind of production ideas, I figured, all right, I guess I'm going to have to save these for someday when I do it on my own. And that's what happened. And, uh, you know, you got all these great guys and they're doing all their great things. And like you said, they're all from different, different kind of uh, things, but they meet together in this, you know, like a hub and I'm like the hub. And obviously they're all guys that like what I do and they did what they did. And, and they're pros you're playing. How can you lose when you're playing with the best pros and stuff, you know? And um, I mean, those are, those guys are amazing. And that record came out amazing. The guy that co-produced and engineered it, mixed it was was as good at what he does as I think is as, as I am at what I do. And so it was just, you know, the closest thing to ever experiencing or, or seeing magic, you know, that real magic that I've ever, ever encountered in my life, you know, just, it was just magical how it came, everything came together from the, from the song ideas and the songwriting all the way up until the finished mix, every single thing just indicated, uh, this is what it should be doing. And this is, sounds amazing. Then the, if you want to discuss the pledge thing, 
that's another another conversation, which I will discuss anything. Well, we did. We, we, we touched on pledge at the beginning. So but let me ask you about this in terms of uh, contentious. Um, uh, Chip is, of course, out there touring as enough's enough. Have you given first of all, does that bother you? And have you given any thought of going out and touring as enough's enough? And can you sort of legally go out and tour as enough's enough if you wanted to? Kind of not, because uh, while well, I was on well, I was on my hiatus, um, Nia went and trademarked. I'm getting another call. Can you hold on one second? I'm sorry. Yes, of you course. know what? Forget that. I'll I'll have to get that one after. Um, he uh, he went and trademarked the name and and the logo and everything like that. So legally, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be entitled to use it, but. As far as uh, morally, I wouldn't give a fuck. I'll use any, I'll use whatever it is. I know that's that's more mine probably than his. Um, <clears throat> I could do that, but I need to step out of that and I need to go forward. And I've been there and I've done that, you know. And now I'm doing something else. And you know, like I said, I wrote most of the songs and sang them. So, you know, I took that with me. And he's that's where his head is at with the enough's enough and playing those same songs every night that we played for a million years and. I want to give a little bit more and, and grow and evolve from that. And so I give him uh, my blessing to do what he's doing. You know, I'm the guy I told him, Hey, well, you know, I should get rid of these, these, you know, buffoon singers that are just doing nothing, but uh, holding you, hijacking you. And, and this and I said, just sing them yourself. You're the guy, you know, the only guy from the band that was in the band, you know, so why don't you sing them? You want, you always wanted to sing anyway. And so he did, he took that and ran with it. So, uh, you know, that's that. And, yeah, that's that. Well, you know, listen, uh, and, that, and that was gracious of you. And I did see the uh, Chip and Enough's Enough at M3 this year, and, and it was a good time. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It, it, it was a very uh, pleasurable, for the lack of a better word, uh, performance. So, you know, uh, now I would imagine that you have another, that other call is the the, the, the 130 sort of interview, or, or do you have time for one more question? I have time for more questions. I got that number there, and I can call it back. Okay, so I just want to ask you about the the first studio album in two thousand three, or the the solo album, I should say, just enough. Um, just I just want to know what what that was like to sort of go out on your own that first time. Was that something that you were anticipating and very excited for, or was it more trepidation and and sort of fear, like oh god, it's just me now, and if this fucks up, it's just me. Uh, was that exciting or, or, or sort of scary to go out and do just enough? Well, that, that originally started as just being a, a writing venture uh, with another partner. I was paired up with um, this chick Kelly who did tour accounting stuff for Nelson, who I'd met that way. And she, and she went off to do Nirvana and then Soundgarden and everything. But she introduced me to this guy. She said, you need to work with this guy. And so I went out there to write songs with them. And that's the only reason that's why they're so simple and basic. You just hear a couple of acoustics and, you know, so a few, a little bit of piano and some vocals and stuff. And, and then it was sitting there and really nobody was shopping and nobody was working it or anything. So uh, like a year later, I uh, ended up leaving the band for the first time. So I was too unhealthy and I didn't, I didn't, wasn't into, you know, playing every little shithole, you know, for, because all that does for me is, is unhealthy situation, you know, and I was already unhealthy. And so I took a break from that and, uh, so I have sitting around with nothing to do as far as adulation goes or any credit or anything. I'm just getting my wife busting my balls and beating me up every day. So I needed to have something. So I put that out, you know, and just called it just enough. And, you know, that wasn't, wasn't intended to be a solo record, but it turned out to be. 
people love it. It's a, it's a great record. So on that, I will say thank you. Always, always a pleasure to uh, to chat with you. I've had a chance to meet you at different shows over the years, and uh, as we say uh, in Montreal, merci. Thank you. Uh, always, always hey. great, Donnie. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Cheers. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. You know. Bye bye. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk.